Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. It's Gary Stuckey back once again for another exciting episode of Real Music. And I've got a great one lined up for you. He's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. He's Cody Canada, all the way from Canada. No, I'm just kidding. He's from Texas and Oklahoma. And uh, great singer, songwriter, guitarist. Was in a band, you might know, called the Cross Canadian Ragweeds. And these days, he's in a band called The Departed. And they've got a brand new album out uh, where they redid an old Cross Canadian Ragweed album. I listened to it, and I love it. It's got a raw, uh, just garage band kind of a feel to it. Just great sounds. Yeah, you need to check it out. Uh, Going to be talking about that in his career. So much more. So here we go. Here's Cody, Canada. Man, uh, jamming to that. Uh, I'm sure well, you've got a lot of fans out there. Um, but hey, tell me this now. The name of the band, you know, uh, Cross Canadian Ragweed. I'm sure you've told that story a million times. Mm-hmm. Where did the name come from? That's an interesting name. So where did that name come from? It was um, all, it was three out of four people's names in the band there was a cross there was a ragsdale and then there's me and um we were just kind of kicking around a few ideas and that that was really the one that stuck out you know we knew it was going to be long but it stuck out so we we stayed with it and realized that you know um it was such an obscure name that it it would probably uh be remembered by people (laughs) it it sounds illegal i mean the name hey you know, yeah. it sounds like you're smuggling something across the border. No, but uh, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but CCR it, the initials are CCR. When somebody, it's according to what generation, somebody says, "I want to hear some CCR music," right? They've you know, uh, I did a gig. We did several gigs. So I had several. We did two gigs with Fogarty. We did one at the Santa Barbara Bowl, and we were backstage. And kind of nervous, you know, we we had gotten a letter from Creedence Clearwater Revisited that said, you need to stop the CCR thing. And my response was, when Fogarty's pissed, I'll be worried about it. Right. And um, we were with Fogarty at the Santa Barbara Bowl, and he come walking in to the dressing room, and he goes, I always wanted, wanted to know what it would be like to get back with the real CCR. And I was like, <laughs> man... Awesome. I don't know if you realize it or not, but that's the coolest thing anybody's ever said to us. But that's yeah, it, uh, there was those are some good years. You know, I, my my favorite saying is uh it was a good time until it wasn't. Right. And then we just moved on, you know. Right. I understand that. Um but you you're from you were born in Texas, right? And moved to Oklahoma, yep. right? Yeah, um, born in Pampa, Texas. And uh and I find it interesting. I, maybe I just like to look at everything and evaluate. But uh, you moved to, was it Yukon, Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, right outside and, Oklahoma City. So your name is Canada, and you moved to Yukon, Canadian rag, I mean, uh, ragweed. I'm just thinking, do people think you're from Canada because of all the Canadian references? <laughs> I mean, still to this day, I, I mean, it's it's been every day of my life, every day of my career. Um. We did a show up in uh, Red Deer, Colorado, or Red Deer, Canada, 
And I did an interview with a lady and she must ask me 20 times, you know, so you're from the Yukon. I say, no. And then I, about halfway through that interview, I realized how, cause she kept going back to being raised in the Yukon territory. And I was like, no, I'm from, <clears throat> my last name's Canada. I'm from Canadian County, Oklahoma, Yukon, Oklahoma, right on the Canadian river. And then I thought, you know what? I get it. I understand why this is so confusing. Yes. But uh, I really have I've got questions. I think I'm losing you. Let me see where I'm at. I should be. Let me get. Let me sign on to the Wi-Fi and see if that helps any. Okay. Just. One sec. Okay. Is that any better? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It, it wasn't, you know, it was kind of, sound like it was going out for a second, but it's good now. It's all good. Okay. We're on the other side of the mountain and I'm on Wi-Fi, so that might help. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, you you kind of remind me, like just sitting here looking at you, and you kind of sound like him too, Michael Sweet, for some reason of Striper. You ever talked oh, yeah. to him? Kind of reminds me. I don't know. I've, I've talked to him a couple no, times. Never had the pleasure, actually. Hmm. Great guy. Um, yeah, great guitar player. You 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 played pretty good guitar there. Uh, how did you start playing? I mean, did you did you pick up a guitar and go? I want to tackle this because I know as a kid, it's a big deal when you see somebody playing guitar, you know, your heroes and uh, you think, I want to play this thing. And it's not as easy as it looks. So what did you do? How did you decide to play guitar? I saw and it really wasn't a lead guitar thing, but I saw George Strait. I know the music that I play is way different, but I saw George Strait when I was. Five years old in Oklahoma city at a steakhouse. He, you know, he, he was like his first single, his first record. Um, I just immediately fell in love with music and the, and him, you know, and wanted to play. And I went home and uh, my mom had a guitar that she, I didn't even know she had it. And I said, I'd like to play some music. And my dad said, well, your mom's got a guitar. And my mom said, I think it was one of her ways of motivating me, but she said, well, I was going to get rid of it unless you're going to play it. Wow. So I started playing it and um, it was probably, I mean, I messed around and learned some chords and stuff, but uh, it wasn't until I was 17 and we, I mean, I was playing, I could play chords and sing songs, you know, from 10 years old to, to now, but I, um, I was, I didn't know any lead guitar until the band started. Um, we didn't have a lead guitar player. And um, in the words of James McMurtry, if you want it done right, you better do it yourself. So I uh, I started playing and learning as much as I could, as fast as I could. And uh, I think I'm still learning to this day. You know, I now my kids are musicians, teenagers. So, you know, I learned a lot from them. So I'm just I, hopefully I'm still growing sure. when it comes to all that. But um, 
I don't know. I get pretty dedicated with it, you know, and I, I'm not, this is not a sympathy statement, but you know, it's, I didn't have a whole lot of people I ran around with. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. So, I mean, I just wanted to play music, you know, and I could have sought out friends, but sitting in my room playing music was, a, was all I needed. And then, you know, I discovered marijuana and uh, that made the music so much better. And the creativity was, mo was moving a little quicker than it was before I discovered that. And, um, so man, it really was just a. I wanted to, to perfect it before I, I got out in front of people and started playing the lead, the lead guitar, not just playing and singing. I wanted to, to be able to play lead enough to impress people, I guess. And uh, it all happened around the same time as Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know. So I had a lot of, a lot of influence by him and Hendrix. You know, I don't play exactly like those guys but that was the stuff that i was listening to dwight yokum's guitar player pete anderson he was a big influence and of course eddie van halen you couldn't go anywhere without being influenced by him exactly yeah well that but you can tell you've had a lot of influences in your playing and singing now vocally who who would you say influenced you vocally there was a it's a mixture you know i i, I always tell everybody that merle haggard's the number one influence uh, from his, he played lead, you know, his songwriting to singing, his stage presence, you know, I mean, I love all that old country stuff. Haggard was always, Haggard and Willie were always heavy on my radar and rotation. They still are today. Um, but, you know, I, my parents split up right when the Seattle grunge movement was happening. And that was perfect timing for a, an angsty, sad teenager, you know, <laughs> so I was ready to I was ready to scream and holler and play guitar at the same time. Right. Yeah. That you can definitely hear that influence in your uh, playing and your song and your songwriting. Did that affect your songwriting too? You know, when you, when you started to write and how did you start to write songs? Did you say, I can do this too. I could write songs. Yeah. I mean, that, that movement of rock and roll. I mean, that, I was moved by everything that my dad listened to with the country music side, early, early country music. But I think that that era of music was the most influential thing that ever happened to me. Um, it was, the, you know, and I, I needed to get some frustration out as a young guy. So I, um, I used it, you know, I, I was following what Eddie and Kurt and, Cornell and Staley were doing, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be those guys, you know, but I also wanted to stay pretty rooted um, in the Americana area where I was. So I started writing. I didn't really start heavily writing until I met my, my friend, Mike McClure. He, um, he was, he's in the, in the great divide and he Stillwater guy, you know, in Stillwater, Oklahoma is where I went after high school because that's where, a bunch of the musicians were and it was just a big hippie compound of musicians up in Stillwater and I I felt like I found my people you know I was looking for friends and cohorts and I found them and um, I always I'm still embarrassed by saying this I always thought you could write songs or you could sing them when I was younger I didn't know you could do both and I was just so naive and um McClure was writing songs and he I, I took a couple of songs to him and showed him that what I've written and he critiqued them for me and uh, helped me 
become a better songwriter, you know, and, and he, he's another one that I still learn from to this day, you know, and it was all about the truth, you know, and all about your life and, you know, pretty much autobiographical stuff. I, I could never really make something up. I, I've written a couple of tunes where I just made it up, but it always felt weird to me. So I, I stuck with, uh, with writing about what I know. Right. Well, what is your most autobiographical uh, song that you've written that you would say? There's a song on uh, the Ragweed record, uh, Mission California, that's called The Years. And that pretty much sums it all up. It was the song. I always feel like I'm hitchhiking in the song. That's what it feels like. Um, I moved it to Texas with my sister when I was about 13 and and it was too small of a town for me and they wanted football and rodeo and I didn't want either any of that and they made me they wanted me to cut my hair before I went to school and so I um I went back up to Oklahoma realized that there was only a couple of people that even knew that I, that I had left so that's really what that song's about, you know, and about my folks splitting and everything. And it's still a song that I still play to this day. Do they say you need to stick to this side or that side if you really want to, you know, reach people? What do you say to that? Not as much anymore, <clears throat> just because we've done it so much um, yeah. on our own. But, you know, in, in the beginning um, with Universal Records, they, Universal South, they, they said we want you as is and but we knew that there were going to be some changes that they wanted um but we didn't give it to them you know we yeah. we said this is how we sound and there, there was one occasion where we let tony brown mix a song and it backfired on him and us so we never really did it again um we really just kind of stuck to our guns you know i mean that there was when Universal South got rid of Tony Brown and Tim Dubois, the guys that are friends that hired us, when they went away, um, they brought in another group of people and they really wanted us to change things and we wouldn't. And after that, they said that we were hard to work with because we wouldn't change things, but they only said they were hard to work with because they didn't get, they didn't get what they wanted. You know, we, we've always been pretty easy to work with. I think we just, yeah. we wouldn't do the stuff that we considered cheesy or sell out, you know? Yeah. That's, that says a lot. I know fans appreciate that, but that says a lot about who you are as a person and a band. When you, when you have, you know, something on your mind and you stick to it and you say, I don't care what you say, this is how we're going to do it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it, I mean, it never was about the money. It was about the, the leaving, leaving the, the music behind, you know, um, you know, we, the other two guys in rag, we, you know, Jeremy and I on bass guitar, we're still together. That's him right there. Hey, Jeremy, say hi. <laughs> That's Howdy. Jeremy. Um, we've, um, the other two dudes, you know, they wanted to do, they wanted the easier route, the more money, the less shows. And to go out with country acts and stuff like that, but we didn't want to do that. You know, it, that just, we built, we built a fan base on 
the promise that we never would sell out, you know, and, and we also built the fan base on, we don't like the sellout thing. We don't like modern country music. You know, there's exceptions, yeah. uh, but, but we didn't want to do that, you know, and they, those guys wanted to go out with Tim McGraw and, and no offense to Miranda, but they want to go. We love Miranda. She's a friend, but they want to go out with her, but we can still be friends and not have the same crowd, you know, and it, and it just wasn't our crowd. And that's really, that was one of the, the reasons the band splits because this we just didn't agree on what direction you know i wanted i've always said i wanted this to be folk heroes not rock stars you know yeah makes sense though uh you were talking about your friends now i know you're friends with dirks bentley uh uh-huh. so how did he influence you and how did you guys get up together i know there's some stories there especially the the ragweeds and the in the song of his but uh how did you guys mm-hmm up together so we were playing in nash we played nashville quite a bit back in the day um but we were playing there one night and uh we had my wife's our manager but we had a nashville manager too back then and he introduced me to dirks he was leaning up against the wall backstage all by himself you know and and uh, he was introduced as the next big thing you know and i could see it i hadn't heard it yet but, you know, good looking dude and polite, kind. And um, and then we went on tour together and he told me that he he used to run and exercise out in um, Arizona to our Highway 377 record, which was before a record label. So I knew he was. There's a lot of people in Nashville that are feed you full of shit. Yeah. And I, I knew that when he said that record, that's when I knew that he was t- telling me the truth. So we agreed to a tour together. So he went out opening up for us and that lasted a very split second. And then it turned around and we were opening up for him and we did three tours together. Um, We never wrote together. I don't know. I'm pretty picky about who I write with. I mean, it probably would have definitely benefited my bank account if I'd have written with Dirk Bentley. But uh, once again, you know, it wasn't always about the money. It was about the art and, um, Man, we just got to be really tight buddies. You know, we did three tours together. We went across the country three times together. And, you know, he still calls us up and we do several shows together. You know, I mean, I say several. We do a few shows a year. And, um, I mean, it's really like it was back then. I mean, Dirk Bentley now is the same Dirk Bentley 20 years ago. He's just a, a, a bigger uh, a bigger star, I guess you would say. He dude you know and we, we we ran around with some of those nashville guys dirks was the, the number one you know we did we were label mates with joe nichols and uh we did a lot of stuff with gary allen gary allen was really good to us and so we had we had our, our our certain people that we ran with but we didn't do it a whole lot you know yeah um yeah i like dirks bentley the first time i heard dirks bentley he was singing about becky was a beauty from south alabama and i live in yep. south alabama so that kind of caught my ear. But y'all have a song about Alabama that I really like. We, yeah, we do. That you know, I was telling you earlier that a lot of the songs have something, have some truth behind them. But that, that one did not. That we were, we were. Um, I was going to see James Brown at the Ryman Auditorium, and uh, with a buddy of mine, we just drove out there in his car, 
and um, we didn't quite make the the show because we found a bar, and um, we just kept driving, and uh, we ended up going to Dothan, Alabama, and and just hanging out with a bunch of spring break people. We made our way over to Panama City, Florida. And by the time we left, we uh, didn't have anything to brag about. You know, we didn't get to go see James Brown. We didn't hook up with anybody. So we um, we decided we'd come on with a song, and that was that was where Alabama came from. Awesome. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm living here in Bruton, Alabama, the home of William Lee Golden. You ever work with that guy? You know, we've <laughs> never done any shows with them. Oh, really? Which is really surprising to me. Yeah, I don't think we've ever. Jeremy, did we ever do anything with the Oak Ridge Boys ever? Yeah, I don't think I don't think we ever did. We might we might not be in that age bracket yet. We might have to wait ten years. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, our yeah. drummer's already there. Oh, all right. <laughs> hey, man, get excited. Uh, <laughs> well, but, but, and y'all y'all are on the road. Y'all are in between gigs, right? That, that's what's going on now, I guess. Right. So. Uh, Yep, we're in between Salt Lake City, Utah, and Grand Junction, Colorado. All right. Well, tell me in the in the transition, you said the guys in the band they didn't want to cooperate, so you formed a new band called The Departed, right? So how mm-hmm. how'd you go from that band? Were there fans that were like, "I still want the old band"? How did you work that out? I mean, with people. I mean, how did they? How'd you make them understand about this new band that you've got? In the beginning, it didn't go very well. You know, I I, um, I was so pissed off and so heartbroken that we couldn't save it um, that I didn't want to do those tunes. So we we jumped right in to bed with another band. Um, you know, me and Jeremy did, and we started a whole new thing. You know, I don't even know if we did one ragweed song there for a bit, and. Um, of course, immediately people were, wanted the old band and and then, you know, kind of fast forward, there wasn't much really to talk about between uh, the first song, uh, the first the first record was called Indian Land. And that was, um, this is Indian Land. That was um, a tribute to all of our Oklahoma friends and songwriters. And the next one was called Adventus. And it was, um, it was really what it was. It was split down the middle. Um, I think there was, I did, I think I did six songs and the other guitar player guy did five songs and Jeremy did one song and it was, it was pretty bipolar. I mean, the, the schizophrenic, I guess, um, you know, there were songs about car sex and there were songs about Jesus, you know, and it was just kind of all over the board. And, um, um, when that record came out, uh, that's when people started kind of shifting and people wanted they were very vocal about wanting ragweed stuff. Um, and I stayed away from it for probably another year. Maybe throw a couple of songs out there like Alabama. Uh, but people were still wanting it. And just, you know, and, and the thing is, is we said that ragweed was a hiatus because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want people to know that we were arguing and I didn't want people to know that this was it, you know, because so we said hiatus. So, People kept on wanting the old band. And then I get pretty pissy about it, you know, and I would say, you know, it's never going to happen, never going to happen. And it's still not going to happen, but at least I'm nicer about it. Um, Then it started kind of getting back into the same vein as Ragweed. I got away from 
wanting to try something different and realizing that I was better at just being what I, being myself, I guess. And um, so we started doing a lot of the old, older songs again. And then eventually it turned into a three piece band and the way it should stay and the way it probably will stay forever. Um, we started doing all the old ragweed songs. And then we started doing songs that were really in, in that vein, you know, I uh, got back to writing with my, my producer. So it turned into what people were missing, you know, and then I re-released, re-recorded Soul Gravy and man, nobody really says anything anymore. I think they got what they wanted. And I also got what I wanted too, you know, which was, I'm, I'm not going to do the ragweed thing, no matter what money's involved. You know, I always tell people, people that say, when's it, when are you get back together with the band? It's like, well, I mean, you never rehire somebody or, or remarry somebody. You know, there's a reason that, that you're not together. So right now it's just, it's, it's the way that I wish it would have been 12 years ago, right out of ragweed. I should have rolled from ragweed into the departed, just playing uh, ragweed songs and writing new stuff. But there was a guy in the band that wanted to try something different and I was willing to do so. And it didn't work. Yeah. There were a few tunes that are, that we still hang on to, but, and it's there's good memories in those in those in that music, but we had to get back to what people wanted. And that was sure. just being us. Sure. Yeah, you said it the, like the marriage thing. I've heard a lot of analogies like that with different artists say, you know, you don't go back, but it's like a divorce, and it's like, and I'm sure you you probably think about the times, but it's kind of like opening up a, a book of photographs, looking back and going, "Yep, those were good old days." And then kind yeah. of leaving that behind, making new memories, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to make new stuff. You know, my my wife always busts me on, you know, I'll get mad about something that happened 10 years ago. And she's like, you know, move on, man. You know, and she's <laughs> right. You know, I I should move on because, I mean, me and Jeremy are happy with the three-piece, you know, and we're happy making new music. Uh, the new music doesn't come as much as it used to because – I got really burned. I had to turn around a record every 16 months for Universal. And that was a lot of prayer. I'm not, I don't write like that. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I can't, I can't write like that. Um, but now, you know, the, the industry's changed so much and you can put out a record with 12 songs and people, people's attention span will let them listen to two, you know, and then there's 10 songs that are lost. So, we're doing right. what most people are doing right now and doing single to single. Right. Um, as far as Jeremy, how did you two become so tight knit? You know, uh, when the others maybe weren't, how did y'all two become so uh, on the same level with musically and everything? Uh, probably just as long as we've known each other. You know, I met Jeremy in sixth grade. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of musicians that I knew in town. And he was a musician. You know, he was in a band playing metal and rock. Um, and then probably 13, I guess, is when we really got to hanging out. And he showed me some guitar stuff. And um, I don't know. We just always had the kind of the, not necessarily the same interest in, like, you know, Iron Maiden's one of his favorite bands. Right. I like Iron Maiden, but it's not one of my favorite bands. But, you know, we let we just enjoy each other's company and enjoy each other's music. And we have the same, I think, I feel like we have the same 
outlook on life. You know, it's just we enjoy the music that we're playing and enjoy people. And I don't know. I think it's just why it lasted so long. You know, Jeremy and I've hardly ever been in an argument. We've been through a lot of shit together in 30 years. So it was just easy. Oh, he's back there crying. What a big pussy. Oh, oh wow. Hang on. Give him a minute. He's feeling <laughs> Hey, I'm actually the, just saying all this nice shit because he's sitting there. Of course. Wait till he, you know, wait till you stop and he gets out and you, we can talk about it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up with you. It's like, hey, man, uh, you know, I, I fucking hate this song. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, back in the day, uh, you recorded it with uh, Leanne Womack, which is uh, really cool. Uh, is, are there any plans to record uh, in the future with anybody like that? Or do you ever stay in touch with her? Yeah, I stay in touch with her. Uh, we, you know, she came back and redid uh, a song on Soul Gravy with me. Um, you know, she's always told me that whenever I need her to call her, um, you know, nowadays I have, um, my wife has a music school in New Braunfels, Texas, where we live. And there's uh, lots of young talent that I, I want them to come in and, you know, um, experience the studio. So there's, most of the girl, most of the people that are singers at the School of Rock are uh, girls, just because, like you know, it's School of Rock, so all those songs are high. Yeah. So I, I give them the opportunity first, uh, but you know there are certain songs I know that'll happen, and she'll be back. I mean, you know, she said ten years ago, I hope that we record music forever together, you know, and we will. Yeah, you know, just got to find the right tune. But I keep in touch with her. I talk to her probably once a month. Just, hey, how you doing? You know, in social media. I feel like the, the reason social media was invented, you know, it's, I keep up with her on there too, you know, and see how her and her kids are doing. Sure. But that was also, that was also one of those things, you know, I, I don't give Nashville, the Nashville years enough credit. I, I just, once again, the living in the past thing, you know, the, the end, the end of the record deal was, was shitty, but, you know, we made a lot of cool contacts, you know, I mean, if I was a little kid watching Lee and Womack's, you know, the Little Rock song, you know, I, I would I would have called you a liar if you'd have said we'd have been friends, much less record a song together, you know? Yeah. Um, well, the industry has changed, you know, and what is the difference, though, these days in having a, a record label as opposed to doing it yourself? You know, a lot of people can save a lot of money doing it themselves and doing their own thing. How, how do you what do you think about that? I mean, we're saving a lot of money by not having one, you know, and and we also get to to dictate everything, you know. I mean, we're, how much we play and what songs we play and what acts we get to play with and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's people that we know from our hometown that are doing very, very well with five buses and three semis. And it's like, man, that's so much money going out the door. Um, one again like i said before you know not really about the money but you also have to realize that it it is sometimes most of the time i guess but i don't think that you need anything i mean that look at exact zach brian you know i mean he yeah his was all was it tiktok that did it you know and i mean that's from what i've heard but i just don't think i saw eddie vetter 10 years ago or better in austin and he had said to the crowd it's like you don't need a record deal all you need is talent and friends and and youtube and i, and I think he's right i mean i you get the right amount of people 
behind you. The only thing, a record deal, record labels do help you out and they do push you and everything, but eventually you have to pay that money back. Sure. And I don't know. And then you have to do what they want you to do. You know, I mean, here's five buses sing this song that sucks, but it's going to be a hit. You know, I'm singing this song that you don't like, but it's, it's probably going to be a big hit. You know, I've, we have friends that we've already spoken about that, that have had to do albums that they didn't want to do just because contractually they're obligated to do so, you know? Right. So I don't, I don't think so. I think that, you know, get a, get a kick-ass band behind you and write some good songs and get out there and play. I mean, I feel like in the last 20 years, it took away from the, you know, working hard to get there. You know, my kids are in a band and there's a lot of things that we could give them, but, and there's a lot of things we do give them, but there's a lot of things we could give them, but you know, becoming a good band is getting out there and blowing tires on a shitty old van, you know, and playing sticky floored rock and roll rooms. Sure. I mean, that makes a band. I mean, that, I mean, I can't tell you how many puke soaked smoky shitholes we played back in the day that some that we revisit to this day, but they, I mean, God, those are fun memories, you know? Sure. And I think, I think the kids need to go through that. But there's also gigs I like to keep them away from as well, you know, that they don't need to go to. But um, I don't know. To answer your question, no, I don't think you need, I don't think you need a record deal. If somebody sure. came to us right now and said, you know, we'll give you this amount of money and new tour buses and but you have to do this. It's like, no, thanks. We're good. <laughs> right. And uh, you probably make a lot of the money off of touring and, and playing places, but I know like Spotify, you make like a penny a year or something on there. So I mean, <laughs> right. You know, when we first started, we would take our first two records, we would take sleeves of those records to Hastings record stores, Hastings books and music. We would take a whole sleeve or maybe two sleeves to Stillwater where we we're from. And then to Amarillo, where we were doing good, and just sell them up front to them, and that was that was gas money, you know, to right. the next gig, to Lubbock, where we'd sell them another half a sleeve, you know, and it. Um, but now, shit, you don't make nothing. I mean, I I still get a royalty check, but you know, I could maybe take my family to Olive Garden. <laughs> hey. We're not going on vacation. We're not going on vacation with royalty checks. I promise you that. We're working our asses off still. Right. And that just shows you how things have changed. But, you know, you were talking about it earlier, you know, when, when you're doing something that you enjoy and if you don't care about the money, you're going to be okay because you're going to do this the rest of your life with a smile on your face because you're mm -hmm. not going to be stressed going, I got to make X amount of dollars. You're going to do it because you love it. And that's a bonus, right? Getting paid money, yeah. the bonus, right? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, we this bus that we're riding on right now has had all kinds of mechanical issues. We're going to get fixed so we don't have them for a while. But, I mean, robbing Peter to pay Paul, as my wife says, you know, we're, we probably haven't made half the money we're supposed to make, you know, on this run just because of generator problems on the bus but i can tell you what the last three shows we played were really awesome and we had awesome. a lot of fun and people people were smiling right and that's what it's all about and, and they don't yeah. know 
stuff that you go through, but they see you rocking out and uh, they appreciate that. And I know it means a lot to through all these years, you look out there and you see those crowds, you're probably thinking, man, that, that means a lot to have these people out there supporting you. Right? Yeah, it does. You know, I don't know if you know, they got Todd Snyder, but I was about, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. We, I, I don't know. I felt like a re, there was a refocus in order and I went and saw a few shows of his and Jason Isbell's and talked to both of them and just about refocusing, you know, and, and I told Todd, but Todd said, what do you get a night? I was like, man, on average, we'll get 200 people no matter where we go. And there's, there's give or takes, you know, and he said, shit, man, that's there ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, and that, that was reassuring to me that as long as we're still having fun and still putting gas in the tank and everybody's kids are fed, then we're doing all right. That's right. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's about, the love for you in that room as opposed to like you said recording a bunch of crappy songs that don't mean anything to you i guess when you're translating your feelings on a, from a piece of paper and you're putting them on an album and these people are singing your words that's got to be the best feeling ever to know that you touched yeah. people right yeah it is yeah you know when they sing sing words back to you that they you and your band created then it's, it's pretty hard to complain about the day. Well, uh, you know, a lot in a lot of interviews, you have like the dirt and things like that. But we're, we're not going to talk about uh, anybody in the band today. So <laughs> it won't be there's in all not, these. Right. There's not much to say anyway, man. <laughs> uh, but it, it's good, though, that you can get along and you can play the music that you want to play and you can enjoy it. And you you seeing some pretty good sights out there too, right? I'm sure. I want to flip this camera around, let you see it. Oh wow, that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, Utah going into Colorado. Oh yeah, wow, it's pretty awesome. I like to go. I like to try to go coast to coast every year. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but we do our best. You know, we're summertime. I like to stay out of the south just because it's hot. Don't I know it? <laughs> yeah. What's it? What's it? Well, how hot is it in Alabama? It's probably it's in the nineties, but it's supposed to cool off tonight for a change. And it, it rained like for two seconds yesterday. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're hitting about ninety something, ninety five every day. It's hot, man. It's been about one hundred and seven back home in South Texas. So we've Ooh. been up, we've been up in Idaho and Colorado, and so Utah. So it, it got up to about ninety something yesterday and it still wasn't as bad as it was back home but but yeah we get we get to see some cool sights you know and we'll in the next few months next six months we'll be going to the mountains of colorado and then in the same month going to key west you know so we get to do some cool stuff right um and what about the future of the band are you have you besides this project you recorded re-recorded the album which sounds great by the way uh, oh, thank you. And what what's your plans about more stuff and, and working on some things there with the band? We built a studio back in 2020. We got a we have a big shop that we've had for almost 20 years that we have been going to build a studio, a practice room or whatever. And we just finally did it uh, because 2020, we had a lot of downtime, you know, and um, yeah. we built that 
and started recording stuff. We have stuff we need to finish. When I say we, I mean me. Um, everybody's done with their parts. But once we get home, you know, I got two kids and then my wife has the school. So we're, I feel like we're just constantly moving. But once the fall kicks in, it'll be a, um, a little slower. So we're going to get in there and finish um, finish some of the projects we started. Uh, we've been talking about putting together a, a cover record. Uh, you know, um, BJ Barham from American Aquarium did a couple of cover records and it made me think that we should do that because we cover a lot of stuff, you know. And, you know, we can have a, a list full of our songs for the night, but you got to throw a cover in. I think covers are fun. Sure. Uh, and then uh, we got a couple of singles that, I mean, stuff we've already recorded that's just we're waiting for the Soul Gravy revisit to kind um, of wear out. I think we're going to do one more single after this one and and then uh, we'll move into the to the new stuff so it'll be probably february march before the new stuff hits and we're just going to keep doing it awesome uh and you were talking about your kids have a band do they play with you a mm -hmm. lot on the road they do yeah they it's a it's a metal band called waves in april they it started off, it started more well now getting a singer, so it has that evanescence vibe about it sometimes. Um, there's a lot of places that they play with us, most places that they're very accepted. There's some of the more redneck elements. Uh, that one they walk out on stage, boys with long hair that's purple. <laughs> We have, to pick and, we have to pick and choose. Um, but they when they do come out and on the road with us, they definitely four or five songs that we we save for them at the very end. And, um, man, I couldn't be more proud of them. I mean, they're very determined. Uh, they write new music every time they practice, and they practice two or three times a week. And it just amazes me, you know. And it, it, thinking back, you know, we used to be like that, too, you know, when we were younger we would go to practice and not only practice songs that we knew or songs that we needed to polish up on, you know, we would walk out with new ideas and that's what they're doing. Awesome. They got, they got a long road ahead, but, but they got a, they definitely, they're definitely ahead of it. Well, they've got a great teacher to help them out. Right. I try the best I can. <laughs> that's all you can do, man. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you uh talking to me today man and like i said i've been listening to i always go back when i interview people i go back through their stuff to kind of get reinvolved you know just kind of listen some great songs and, and and like i said the the remaking of that soul gravy man it's it's got a raw sound it reminds me of the old days of when you would have a a band just jamming locally and you had fun and you just had a great time and the songs sound like that it just sounded I don't know. Did you have an energy to it, man? It sounds good. Thank you. That's what we were going for. That's what I wanted the original Soul Grave to sound like. But we had suits, record execs wanting to do certain things and a certain mix and all that. So sure. we finally got to go back and do it the way we wanted to. Well, you did it right. And uh, I, thanks, buddy. And thanks for being patient and let me call you back. I sure I understand out there on the road. You don't really have a choice how the service is out there. So I understand that. Right. Well, I appreciate you, man. Uh, like I said, I'll be, I'll be looking out for all your uh, musical ventures and uh, 
And I, I love it all, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for talking to me right. today. Yes, sir. And have a good day. All right, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate you. If you'd like to make a donation to help out this podcast, you can do so by clicking on the donate button. And you can uh, leave a message here uh, if you ever feel like it. And uh, I put it on the show and leave comments. And, uh, you know, rate this podcast if you like it. Share it with your friends. And uh, if you'd like to hear more about uh, Cody Canada, you can go to the band website. Uh, and find out where they're going to be touring and things like that. It's thedepartedmusic.com yeah, for more information. Thanks for listening, and until next time, everybody, always remember to keep the music real.